we celebrate a hundred years of seminary in the church, and I hold on to a thread that goes back to the early days when the resources of the church for the program were very scarce. I traveled with President Spencer W. Kimball years ago. He held the office that I now hold as president of the Quorum of the Twelve. We were visiting a seminary for youth who attend Indian schools in Montana and South Dakota. We met in the one-room home of Sister Two Dogs. She was sitting on the bed, and about a dozen youngsters were gathered around her on the dirt floor. She was teaching a seminary lesson. From those humble beginnings, we now have 375,000 seminary students in 143 countries, over 38,000 volunteer and full-time teachers worldwide. The system of seminaries maintained at enormous expense, given willingly by the brethren responsible for the funds of the Church. We invest very much in our youth. We know of your worth and your potential. I speak as one who has seen the past and would prepare for the future. I was trained by President Marion G. Romney, counsel of the First Presidency. He once told me, don't just tell them so they understand. Teach them so that they cannot misunderstand. He also taught me that I must have the courage of my convictions. You are growing up in enemy territory. When you become mature spiritually, you will understand how the adversary has infiltrated the world around you. <clears throat> He's in homes, entertainment, the media, language, everything around you. In most cases, his presence goes undetected. Pornography is just one example. I want to tell you that which will be of the most worth and most desirable. The scriptures say, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And I would add, with all you're getting, get going. I do not have time to waste, and neither do you, so listen up. <clears throat> the moment I decided to be a seminary teacher is very clear in my mind. During World War II, I was in my early 20s and a pilot in the Air Force. I was stationed on the little island of Ishima. This island, a small, lonely one, about as big as a postage stamp, is just off the northern tip of Okinawa. One lonely summer evening, I sat on the cliff to watch the sun go down. I remember looking at the moon and thinking, that's the very same moon that shined down on my home in Utah. I was pondering what I would do my life after the war if I was fortunate enough to survive. I wanted to decide what I was to be. It was on that night that I decided I wanted to be a teacher. I reasoned that teachers are always learning. Learning is the basic purpose in life. I first taught seminary in 1949 in Brigham City. I'd been a student in that same seminary in my high school days. There were three of us as teachers. The principal, Abel S. Rich, Brother A. Theodore Tuttle, and myself. Brother Rich had opened that seminary as the second release time seminary in the church. The first was established in 1912, 
the Granite Seminary in the Salt Lake City. I learned much from Brother Rich. He's a prominent and successful community leader. He was never hesitant. He taught me to determine a problem, gospel principles involved, and then make a decision. His philosophy was simply, do what's right and let the consequence follow. Brother Rich had lived through the seminary, history of seminary, and talked freely about it. Through him, I became acquainted with the old war horses, as he called them. As I think back, a stream of memories comes forward. I recall William E. Barrett, who opened the seminary in the Uinta Basin. During the summer, he walked from town to town recruiting students for his class. The Barrett's first child was born and buried there. Brother and Sister Barrett rode to the cemetery in the backseat of a car. On his lap was a little unpainted wooden casket that he had built for their son. Brother A. Theodore Tuttle and I also served together as supervisors of the seminary and institute and later together as general authorities. Brother Tuttle had been a lieutenant in the Marines. At the Battle of Iwo Jima, he returned to the ship to get a flag. On shore, he handed the, to a runner who took it up to the top of Mount Suribachi into the pages of history. You may remember the famous picture of that flag being raised by servicemen. That event was later cast in bronze as a memorial in Washington, D.C. Another early teacher was Elijah Hicken, who sent the Bighorn Basin in Wyoming to open the seminary. He was unwelcomed. They had to run out the teachers before him, very rough class. They didn't want him there and thought to run him out, as they had others before him. His life was actually threatened. The patriarch came to him with a blessing and a promise that his life would be protected. On the strength of that blessing, Brother Hicken took off the six-shooter. He'd worn to class each day. <laughs> I also remember, and the seminary was planted there. I also remember the tall, smiling Jay Wally Sessions, who opened the first Institute of Religion at Moscow, Idaho in 1926. There were three courses originally taught in seminary, Old Testament, New Testament, and church history. It was my privilege to add an early morning class of the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon had not previously been part of the curriculum because the students did not receive credit toward high school graduation. I'd returned from the war with a testimony of the Book of Mormon and an understanding of how the gift of the Holy Ghost operates. The first principles and ordinances of the gospel are, first, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, second, repentance, third, baptism by immersion for the remission of sins, and fourth, laying on hands on hands for the gift of the Holy Ghost. Those who hold the Melchizedek priesthood confer the gift upon every baptized member of the church, men, women, and children, equally. Let me quote an interesting verse from the Book of Mormon about angels and the Holy Ghost. A group had been come to Nephi. They were wondering what they should do after baptism. He said, do ye not remember that I said unto you that after ye had received the Holy Ghost, ye could speak with the tongue of angels. 
And now how can you speak with the tongue of angels? Save it were by the power of the Holy Ghost. Angels speak by the power of the Holy Ghost. Wherefore they speak the words of Christ. Wherefore I said that you feast upon the words of Christ. For behold, the words of Christ will tell you all things that what you should do. Early in my years of teaching, I had a personal contact with Elder Harold B. Lee. I remember standing with my wife outside the home of a counselor in our state presidency, Eberhard Zundel. I was serving as an assistant state clerk. We were there for lunch between conference sessions at our state conference. Elderly came out of the house and walked right up to me. I was speechless. There I was, talking to an apostle. I've talked to a few other apostles since that time. <laughs> Elderly said, pointing to the Zundel home, there are great men in there, referring to the state presidency. You learn at their feet, and you'll never be off course. I cheered up just a little, and Elder Lee said, God bless you, my boy. One day you'll carry great responsibility in this church. I suppose he'd said that to a lot of boys, but it had a profound effect on me. I remember the feeling I had in his presence. A few years later, I was speaking to teachers in Salt Lake City. A call came telling me that I was to go immediately to the office of President David O. McKay. It was Saturday morning, and general conference was to convene shortly. I went quickly to President McKay's office. There was an attendant there and said, what are you doing here? I said, President McKay said to me, he said, that's what they all say. <laughs> Then he said, you sit right there. I sat right there. Soon President Hubie Brown, a counselor the first presidency, came to the corridor and said, what are you doing here? Why are you sitting here? I said, I can't get in. He said, I'll fix that. <laughs> he ushered me into the office of President David O. McKay. I went to sit across the desk and he motioned me to come around. He had a chair behind his desk facing him. President McKay took hold of both my hands and called me to be an assistant to the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. That was the closest I had ever been to a president of the church. A few minutes later, he looked at his watch and said, we must go now to the tabernacle. Sister Packer will just have to learn about this as she comes out over the air. And she did. <laughs> Fifty years and more than 200 Two million, five, two and a half million miles, two, a lot of miles. <laughs> two, two and a half million uh, of worldwide travel. I have an ever deepening interest in the Seminary Institute program, and more particularly in you. You have been taught all of your lives about the gift of the Holy Ghost, but teaching can only go so far. You can, and in fact, you must go the rest of the way alone to discover within yourself how the Holy Ghost can be a guiding and protective influence for young men and young women. The process is the same. Discovering how the Holy Ghost operates in your life 
is the quest of a lifetime. Once you've made that discovery for yourself, you can live in enemy territory and not be deceived or destroyed. No member of this church, and that means each of you, will ever make a serious mistake without first being warned by the promptings of the Holy Ghost. Sometimes when you have made a mistake, you may have said afterwards, I knew I should not have done that. It did not feel right, or perhaps I knew I should have done something, but I just not have the courage to act. These impressions are the Holy Ghost attempting you to direct you toward the good and warning you away from harm. The Holy Ghost will withdraw if you participate in immoral practices, if you fill your mind with such things as it come when one watches pornography. You can quickly learn to follow the promptings of the Holy Ghost, the power of revelation from the gift of the Holy Ghost operates on the principles of righteousness. There are certain things that you must not do if these lines of communication are to remain open. You cannot lie or cheat or steal or act immorally and have those channels remain free from disruption. Do not go where the environment resists spiritual communications. You must learn to seek the power and direction that is available to you and then follow that course no matter what. First on your to-do list, put the word prayer. Most of the time your prayers will be silent. You can think a prayer. Parents and teachers are concerned about the day that their children or youth are left on their own. You're never left outside the influence of the heavenly parent. He's our Father, and He's always there. Sometimes it is hard for young people to confide in their parents. You can always have a direct line of communication with your Father in heaven. Do not allow the adversary to convince you that no one is listening on the other end. Your prayers are always heard. You are never alone. Take care of your body. Be clean. We know that ye are the know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. The prophet Joseph Smith received the word of wisdom by revelation. In simple terms, no tea, coffee, alcohol, or tobacco. It was not known at that time that these things were bad for your health and can be addicting. The terrible plague of drug addiction was not understood then. Read carefully the promises found in section 89 of the Doctrine and Covenant. All saints who remember, remember to keep and do these sayings, walking in obedience to the commandments, shall receive health in their navel and marrow on their bone, and shall find wisdom and great treasure of knowledge, even hidden treasure and shall run and not be weary, and shall walk and not faint. The word of wisdom does not promise perfect health, but that the spiritual receptors within you might be strengthened. The certainty is that your body will in due time grow old 
and eventually become an inhabitant. Let me tell you about it. <laughs> and the spirit will be forced to leave. We call that death. Stay away from tattoos and similar things that deface your body. Do not do that which would dishonor yourself, your parents, or your father in heaven. Your body was created in his image. Unworthy people can be uncomfortable in the presence of someone who is virtuous. Do not be embarrassed by the teasing you may get from those around you. In the end, many will understand and respect you for your value. I want to speak now in the marriage Romney pattern of straight talk about another matter. One thing that I have learned about young people through all these years, you not only can take truth, but you want to know the truth. We know that gender was set in the pre-mortal world. The spirit and the body are the soul of man. The matter of gender is a great concern to the brethren, as are all matters of morality. A few of you may have felt or been told that you're born with troubled feelings and you're not guilty if you act upon these temptations. Doctrinally, we know that if that were true, your agency would have been erased, and that cannot happen. You always have a choice to follow the promptings of the Holy Ghost and live morally pure and chaste, one filled with virtue. President Gordon B. Hinckley announced in the following in the General Conference. People inquire about our position on those who consider themselves gays or lesbians. My response is that we love them as sons and daughters of God. They may have certain inclinations which are powerful and which may be difficult to control. Most people have temptations of one kind or another at various times. If they do not act upon these inclinations, then they can go forward as others do as members of the Church. If they violate the law of chastity and the moral standards of the Church, then they are subject to Church discipline, just as others are. We want to help strengthen them, to assist them with their problems, and to help them with their difficulties. But we cannot stand idle if they indulge in immoral activity, if they try to uphold and defend and live in a so-called same-sex marriage situation. To permit such would be to make a light of our very serious and sacred foundations of God-sanctioned marriage and its very perfect purpose in rearing the families. President Hinckley was speaking for the church. The first gift that Adam and Eve received was agency. Thou mayest choose for thyself where it is given thee. You have the same agency. Use it wisely. Deny acting on any pure impulse or unholy temptation that may come into your mind is a blessing. Just do not go there. And you're already there, come back out of it. Deny yourselves of all ungodliness. Do not tamper with the life-giving powers in your body or with members of either gender. It is standard of the Church, and it will not change. As you mature, 
is a temptation to experiment or explore immoral activity. Do not do that. It is natural to resist restraints of any kind. I realize that you do not like to be told what to do, but if immoral conduct is a temptation for you, I plead with you to do all in your power to overcome it, however difficult it may be. The key word is discipline. The word discipline comes from the word disciple or follower. Be a disciple follower of the Savior and you'll be saved. One or two of you may be thinking, I'm already guilty of these or that serious mistake of one kind or another, too late for me. It is never too late. You've been taught at home and in seminary about the atonement of Jesus Christ. The atonement is like an eraser. It can wipe away guilt and the effect of whatever it is that was causing you to feel guilty. Guilt is spiritual pain. Do not suffer from chronic pain. Get rid of it. Be done with it. Repent, and if necessary, repent again and again and again and again until you, not the enemy, are in charge of you. Life turns out to be a succession of trials and errors. Add repent often to your list of things to do. This will bring you lasting peace that cannot be purchased at any earthly price. Understand the atonement may be the one most important truth that you can learn in your youth. If you are associated with others who drag you down instead of building you up, stop and change company. You may be alone and lonely at times. The important question may be asked, when you are alone, are you in good company? If you're doing something that you know is wrong, stop it. Stop it now. Unwinding a bad habit that you've allowed to entangle yourself in can be very difficult, but the power is in you to do it. Do not despair. The prophet Joseph Smith taught it. All beings have bodies have power over those who have not. You can resist temptation. It is not likely that you will ever have a personal encounter with the adversary. He does not show himself that way. But even if he came personally to you to test and tempt you, you have an advantage. You can assert your agency and he'll have to leave you alone. It is not easy. Life is not guaranteed to be either easy or fair. This is the test. When you choose to repent, you'll receive a testimony and know that the gospel is true. That the Lord Know that the Lord meant it when he's promised, though your sins be scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red, red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And then this great scripture, and he will remember your sins no more. Let me repent that, repeat that. And he will remember your sins no more. So why don't you not remember them? You are not ordinary. You have a very special life. You are exceptional. How do I know that? 
I know that because you were born at a time and in a place where the gospel of Jesus Christ can come into your life through the teaching and activities of your home and of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It is, as the Lord himself has said, the only true and living Church upon the face of the whole earth. There are other things we could add to the list, but you know what you should do, what you should not be doing in your life. You know right and wrong. You don't need to be commanded in all things. Do not squander these years of seminary instruction. Take advantage of the great blessings you have to learn the doctrine of the Church, the teachings of the prophets. Learn that which is the most worth. It will bless you and your posterity for many generations. Alma commanded his son Helaman, Oh, remember my son and learn wisdom in thy youth. Yea, learn in thy youth. Keep the commandments of God. People now to a large extent are tempted to surrender their agency or independence and replace it with the word entitlement. They expect that everything will be freely provided for them. If that pattern is in your thinking, get rid of it. If you want to be happy, you must pay the price through obedience. The restraints that you face against wrongdoing are an enormous protection for you. When our children were little, they would sometimes say, do I have to do that? The answer is no. You don't have to, you get to. <clears throat> Once you have this self-control in your life, you'll not to be told what to do all of the time. You'll find a way and know where you fit in. Some of you are floundering about and struggling to find what you will do. It does not really matter what you choose to do for a living. What matters is what you will be. You have the guidelines to know that. Remember the Spirit is always with you to teach you. Not many years will pass until you are married and have children, a marriage that should be sealed in the temple. Our prayer is that you will find yourself in due time safely settled in a family ward or branch. You will find that you'll learn more from your children than ever they will learn from you. Do not fear the future. Do not fear what is ahead. Go forward with hope and faith. Remember that supernal gift of the Holy Ghost. Learn to be taught by it. Learn to seek it. Learn to live by it. Learn to pray always in the name of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of the Lord will attend you, and you will be blessed. The poet wrote, So nigh is grandeur unto dust, so near is God to man. When duty whispers, lo, thou must, tis youth replies, I can. We have a deep and profound faith in you, and I bear my testimony to you. A witness came to me in my youth, and you are no different than anyone else than I am. You have as much right to that testimony witness as anyone, and it will come to you if you earn it. And I invoke the blessings of the Lord upon you, the blessings of that witness to be in your life, to guide you as you meet a happy future. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. amen.